When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Colwell as a player and Colwell in that situation, obviously, I will speak about this. I didn't expect him to quote my tweet. And that, that was a complete surprise. And that is what I think Chelsea fans all of a sudden thought I was like friends with Colwell or I thought I thought I was friends with Colwell. No, I was just bantering, like saying, you know, how's your evening going or something along them lines. And then to my complete surprise, I see my phone going absolutely red hot and he's, he's quoted it and I think it's got like 20 million views. Hello there guys, welcome back to the show, hope you're doing well, I'm Daniel Childs and ahead of this weekend's game against Brighton at Stamford Bridge in the Premier League, we've got a great guest to give us an opposition point of view from the Seagulls and that is the brilliant Ryan Adset. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me, how you doing mate? Hello mate, yeah, thank you for having me on again. Uh, no, I'm, I'm very very apprehensive about this game i've got to be honest um it's, it's we're in a tough spot mate we've got a lot of injuries so um playing against chelsea can always be uh entertaining one particular socials but um yeah it should be it should be good fun well the thing i would say i mean chelsea went into the game against newcastle a team with a lot of injuries and it didn't seem to hurt them so you know i wouldn't i wouldn't <laughs> think that's going to be uh defining I, the first thing to kind of ask you is is kind of the thoughts so far this season watching brighton because you know, of course, there still is a sense of real optimism around the club. There's the start of a European adventure, including some big wins in that competition already. But maybe the league form isn't as good as some anticipated. How, how have you found it so far? Yeah, it's been a weird season, as you say. I think it's it's been a bit of a find out season for us. Obviously, we're in completely different territory um, that we're, we've, we've never been here before. Um, and I think... You know, we, our, our minds are probably a little bit naive to the whole injury front, the amount of games we've got to play. And I think that's really taken its toll. And probably one of the only times in recent years where, you know, our board have had a bit of a slap in the face. So, you know, we've now got 15 injuries, whatever it is. And, you know, this is this is tough. You know, we should have maybe spent a bit more in the summer. Um, but, you know, it's easy to say in hindsight, of course. Um, but, yeah, obviously we're in, a, we're in a bit of a difficult spot. We've, I think we found out a little bit this season, but I think we're getting through it, um, I'd say. I, I don't think that, you know, how, the group we got offered, obviously, in the in the Europa League is far from easy. Um, and then not to mention, obviously, in the league, we're still in that sort of top seven bracket. So we're still we're still flourishing, although I think that the Premier League in general is sort of feeling a similar pain. Um, and so, you know, that that makes it a bit easier for us. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, again, referencing Newcastle, I mean, I think they, they're struggling with a similar challenge of that midweek kind of uh, slog at times. And as exciting as it is, I, I do wonder, you know, if there's a little bit of feeding or maybe we got here a little bit too quickly. I don't really think that's the case with Brighton because, you know, you have been sort of progressing to this point of European football, but it is obviously a massive challenge and the demand on top level footballers is is a broader issue that i think impacts a lot of clubs so that's that's not just a i think a european football issue it's also about foot, uh, fixture congestion um in terms of chelsea and brighton i guess it it still feels weird to me to call it a rivalry because i and i'm not <laughs> trying to sound like yes. throw shade or anything i don't i don't consider it a rivalry i think it's a series of kind of events that have happened that has 
kind of increase the the narrative around this game but to call it a rivalry anything close to to Spurs to Arsenal to Liverpool it, to me it's not even close but I, I understand I, I can understand from a Brighton point of view why there would be a bit of animosity even though it feels like Brighton have kind of got the better of Chelsea anyway in recent years. Um, I've just come off another opposition preview and I think that you know they obviously don't really see why we get it. I, I, I don't know. I don't, maybe it's a, a split thing across Chelsea fans. Maybe some see a bit of a reason for us to be angry at you or some just think that, you know, they paid the money and therefore they should sort of be okay with that. But I don't know. I, I, I think that, you know, the, the it all started with Kukurea, didn't it, obviously? And then you've got Sanchez, you know, got Caicedo, etc. Obviously, half our, half our backroom staff and you name it. But um, I think that it's always going to, you know, fans are going to feel what they feel at the end of the day. And I think that, you know, to call it a rivalry is difficult. Um, but there's definitely a dislike between both of us, I think. And it's obviously sort of born on social media, isn't it? Yeah. And, I, you know, listen, I, I can understand kind of that point of, you know, Chelsea buying players, you know, and Brighton selling those players. Like there is a transaction between clubs that's pretty regular. Um, the Graham Potter one, for instance, last year, I mean, I was quite, it was quite rare in Premier League football for that type of thing to happen. But if you look at, say, the Bundesliga, yes. if you look across other European leagues, the idea of bigger clubs taking coaches from smaller clubs within that league is not exactly abnormal. It's just, I think, yeah. we, we that, and, and the fact that you bring up, you know, Kukurea had only just moved quite recently to Chelsea. It was a little bit of a coincidence. And then, of course, we've got, Paul Wynn Stanley, who himself is is not getting a lot of praise currently from Chelsea fans. Um, I'm not surprised about that one, to be fair. So, yeah, we didn't even like him for a while here, to be honest. See, that's that's interesting because it's kind of, it's interesting how perception works because when he was brought in, I think there was a lot of understanding that he had kind of masterminded or been a part of the recruitment success. Is not is that not mm. really accurate when, when you actually look a little bit deeper? <laughs> I mean, Wynn Stanley's was here since 2014, um, in which the club was in a completely different situation and was responsible for, you know, a fair amount of a lot of bad transfers, um, a lot of bad transfers. In the in the moment of 2014, we were um, nearly getting relegated to League One, the championship uh, under Sammy Hippier. And um, it was actually probably the worst season to recent memory. Um, so Wynn Stanley came in to sort of help that. Don't get me wrong, some decent signings, but I mean, he's come from the Premier League, sorry, from the Championship and then got promoted with us. And we've signed some pretty awful players, nearly been relegated three times in the Premier League. Um, and that's not to throw shots at anyone, but I mean, our, our business model changed in 2019. Um, so anything up to that was pretty bad. Uh, I, I give a lot of credit to Dan Ashworth in, in, in helping change it in 2019, but um, I think the first two years of the Premier League, particularly with, with very free hitters uh, going into Europe, which is quite a lazy thing to do, I guess, um, trying to find players from Bundesliga, trying to find players from Eredivisie. And they're not really hitting. They don't really get you much further than that 15th to 14th spot. And that's about as much as you're going to get out of them. Um, and I think that's when we changed to recruiting young players. I, I think that it was quite a surprising, quite a surprising one, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, looking back at those early... Premier League years for Brighton. I mean, would you say like Pascal Gross is kind of the only one who maybe still would you'd, you'd kind of triumph as a, as a win? Oh yeah, yeah. Pascal, I think, comes down to Brighton legend though, and I think that's that's the that's the the legend status that I think Pascal's almost given himself is that he's gone from being you know relatively pretty much unknown, isn't he, when we signed him, and then that now it's like 
I think he's one of the top chance creators in the Premier League since he came to us behind Kevin De Bruyne. Um, and I think it's Mo Salah and Bruno Fernandes pretty close to him. So overall, I mean, he's he's yeah different level. But yeah, you would call that a, a win. But again, it's of that 2017 team. I mean, Lewis Dunk's obviously come through our ranks. Solly March come through our ranks. Um, and then if you go through the rest of it, I don't really think pretty much any of them play. Um, I think I could be wrong, but if I'm looking through that now, David Proper's obviously gone. Dale Stevens is gone. Shane Duffy's gone. Marcus Sutton was awful. Um, a guy Tan Bong wasn't great. Um, Bruno's obviously went ended up managing you somehow. And then Matty Ryan's gone. Um, so yeah, I don't really think that you could say too much for a lot of the signings he brought in when we first got promoted. In terms of players that Chelsea have bought recently, I mean, I, Robert Sanchez. I still think he's an improvement on Kepa Ariza Balaga, but I mean, I, I don't know if that's the greatest compliment, to be honest, because <laughs> Kepa was kind of fundamentally bad. I mean, in in terms yeah. of that keeper, for a period under Graham Potter at Brighton, Sanchez was massively praised for that style of play, and it seemed like he was a keeper that was only going to get better. I mean, it's it's quite weird how his stock kind of fell last season, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think um, the Sanchez thing, I think it got really... A lot of people didn't really quite understand what happened. I think no one truly understands what happened, apart from probably Sanchez and Deserby themselves. But, I mean, fans-wise, it was a bit of a, you know, he he wasn't your third-choice goalkeeper. It was only after he fell out, which wasn't quite true. He did fall out first. So he, he did end up um, getting dropped first. And then we brought in Jason Steele just because just of the feet thing. I think Sanchez is quite prone to kicking it out, quite prone to... Um, you know, these sort of flappy mistakes. And, um, it, you know, we didn't really have any competition. We hadn't signed another goalkeeper in so long. Obviously, Jason still comes in, did a decent job. Now it's Bart Verbruggen. He sort of established himself a bit. Um, and Sanchez is just a bit just a bit strange, really, how it all came about. As you say, it's it was a bit of a fallout, apparently. Um, quite similar to what I'd imagine happened with Trossard, um, who obviously went to Arsenal. Luckily for Trossard, he fell on his feet and is doing quite well there. Um, but he, you know, I think it's one of them where if you're going to walk out of training, if you're going to refuse to play, if you're going to do all of that stuff with Zerbi, you're probably only going to do it once. <laughs> um, I don't imagine you're going to get away with doing that again, um, as we've seen now on a tip twice. So I, I think that that's what I put it down to is just, it just didn't seem like anything really mattered to him. It felt, it felt like, you know, we'd almost concede and he would just sort of stand there. Um, obviously I don't know Sanchez, he, he might not be like that, but that's, I think how fans felt. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how he develops because it, it's for me, it's still a little bit unknown Sanchez just as a signing for Chelsea, whether he's more of a placeholder signing and then yeah. Chelsea will go and recruit what they deem their big first choice maybe next summer. Like I'm not, I'm not sure if in two years time, Robert Sanchez will still be a regular starter for Chelsea. Like no, I, I think when it was, when it was mentioned the 25 million, I think it was just... It was particularly Brighton fans. I I thought it was fake. I couldn't believe that you actually wanted him for 25 million. And I think that's what was quite surprising because obviously we've signed for Bruggen, for example, who was touted as one of the best young um, goalkeepers in the world. Um, and we've got him hold, got hold of him for 16 million. Um, and you know we've re basically replaced him for 16 million and profited 10. And I, and I think that that's quite strange. You've got a Jason Steele. To his to his you know discredit um, to Sunderland, but I think now is is completely different guy. He's obviously a lot more mature now, uh, great around the camp apparently, and, and one of them that you want to stick around. So I do find it odd that you went for him of all of our players. Uh, not that you didn't have many left to go for, 
Um, but I mean, to, to then go for Sanchez was was a very strange decision. Well, of course, one of those other players that we did go for and get eventually was Moises Casado. Yes. Um, personally, from what I've seen of Moises Casado so far, I think he is a very good signing. Like, I, I think that he has yeah. improved Chelsea's midfield. Um, I'm just interested whether... You know, because I know Deserby made a big song and dance about, you know, I've already forgotten that Moises... Basically, I've forgotten that Moises existed. Has has there been an impact without him? It does, you know, and if you look at the table, oh, yeah. if you look at where both clubs are, maybe some people go dismissively, well, no. But I, I, I do wonder if Casado is such a talent that Brighton were going to feel some impact compared to, say, losing Kukurea. Yeah, first on, on, on the Deserby point, I mean, I was actually in that presser and... Um, it wasn't quite as how it was made out. Um, he's Deserby's obviously a lot of stuff he says gets lost in translation. So he'll he'll say I've got a Moises, but he was meaning we've moved on. We're, we're thinking away from that situation now. Um, it wasn't about he's forgotten Moises. Obviously, I don't think he is one to forget his ex players, as you've said. Um, but I think it was one where he's like I've forgotten Caicedo's situation. I've forgotten all of this sort of crazy transfer. Now we're just going to try and think about moving on and focusing on what we got. Um, Yes, I think we've missed him. Um, absolutely. I think he's probably, him and McAllister, we've lost them both in the first time that, you know, as a football club, where, where they've been our best players. And I think that's what's the difference is that we we haven't really lost our best players before until now. Um, and I think so, yeah, yeah you're naturally going to feel that. Obviously, we've got Gilmore from you as well. Um, he's done good, but he's not going to win a tackle probably as much as Caicedo or definitely as much as Caicedo. Uh, McAllister, obviously, is that extra bit of flair, but also good in the challenge for us. I know that Liverpool fans don't agree with that now, but uh, he was. So it was, a, it was a dynamic that worked so well. And I think when you rip out the core of a team, um, particularly being two players that are of that quality, um, it's, it's, it's practically impossible to replace them at such sort of late notice, which we didn't want it to be, I think. And that's Obviously, the 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 way the way that sort of Chelsea went about it and Liverpool went about it of you know this sort of crazy fiasco on transfer deadlines and all this and I think it was a bit of one where I think that based on past I don't think Brighton try and go around transfers like that and I think that again it's probably one of those where we're now in this next element aren't we of people recognizing us and maybe it was a bit of a whirlwind which we couldn't control in the end and now it's. It, it has affected us 100%. Well, and also you had the, the Casado kind of drama around January transfer deadline day yeah. at the start of this year that, you know, kind of felt a little bit strange when he's releasing a statement that feels quite unique. And it, all, it almost felt like a matter of when and not if he would leave Brighton. And of course, yes, eventually he, he leaves with Chelsea. I mean, another player I want to speak about is, is Levi Colwell, because obviously you had first-hand experience of, of watching him play on loan last year. Yes. And then there was a lot of, uh, as we say, social media beef and, and, and stuff that happened over the summer. I mean, I've got to say, as my, my point of view, and maybe you, you think this is unfair, I, I did find some of the... Again, maybe it's lost in translation. I felt some of the quotes from from Deserby around Colwell and then also some of the reporting from Brighton-based journalists were a little bit strange in the sense that they kind of just assumed that Levi was just going to walk into Brighton um, when, you know, Chelsea were obviously going to have a major say over that player. And, you know, that that's what I guess adds, adds a little bit even more, you know, narrative and extra spice over, over this game. Yeah, I can't really talk about that as much as I want to, um, just because... Just I, I, I don't think anyone's really said about it, so I think I'll 
I don't want to be the first to do it. Um, and that's that's why I'll probably leave the whole Colwell chat. But I, I think with um, with Colwell as a player and Colwell in that situation, obviously, I will speak about this. I didn't expect him to quote my tweet. And that, that was a complete surprise. And that is what I think Chelsea fans all of a sudden thought I was like friends with Colwell or I thought I thought I was friends with Colwell. Um, no, I was just bantering, like saying, you know, how's your evening going or something along them lines. And then to my complete surprise, I see my phone going absolutely red hot and he's he's quoted it and I think it's got like 20 million views. And yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that was going to happen. So um, I don't know Levi Colwell. I didn't know he was going to quote my tweet and I certainly didn't really think he was going to actually mean anything about him staying. I didn't think that anything like that. So it was a bit of a surprise. Um, but I think as a player wise, um, yeah, he was quality for us. Um, I don't think we've missed him as much as I thought he would. And that's that's me being honest. I actually, you know, I'll tell you when I, I think we've missed someone and that's Caicedo. I thought we'd miss Colwell a lot. Um, and I think maybe we did in the first sort of couple of games. But I've got to give so much credit to Van Hecker. He's been he's been so good for us. Um, him and Dunk alongside each other have genuinely been so good. Um, and there's some Brighton fans saying that they prefer Van Hecker to talk to Colwell. No, no, I'm not. I'm not here to start that. But all I'm here to say is that they've done well. And um, no, I, I don't think any Brighton fan thinks about Levi Colwell at all. Um, not since that January, sorry, that um, summer window. Um, the only thing that probably is, it does get mentioned every now and then is Caicedo. Yeah, and, and I think it was just as you've said, you re- as Brighton regularly do, they replace the players they lose or, or in the case of, you know, you have a lone player and you're able to replace them. And in the case of Chelsea, we were able to bring Colwell back and very much get him into the first team. And I, I suspect because of the suspensions, Motka Correa and some of the problems Chelsea have had recently, it's it's highly likely Colwell starts on Sunday, uh, whether he plays as a left-back, which is an interesting thing that Pochettino... Yeah, that's weird, him. Or he's played... It's interesting that because, you know, he, I, I think overall he's been good in that role. Uh, but I think yeah. the long-term role for him will be in a back two rather than as 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 left-back. And I know at times yeah, he can play as a left centre-back and a free, but, you know, Pochettino isn't playing that system at the moment. So we'll see what happens in the long term. In terms of the, the I guess, the tactical battle, just your thoughts about this game. I know you mentioned at the start in terms of injury issues for Brighton. Uh, Chelsea did, of course, beat Brighton earlier in the season, but that was a, a League Cup game. Uh, and, and I always think that's sometimes quite hard to decipher how relevant <laughs> those games are. I think that one, to be fair, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, mean, um, I, I was quite happy you knocked us out in, the, in a way because, mate, well, our, our team is so light. As you mentioned, these injuries are just a joke. I mean, um, I think we've got the most in the, in the Premier League now, um, including now suspensions. We've got Lewis Dunk suspended. We've got Moda uh, Hood suspended. Uh, James Milner's now out, so we've got no left-back cover. Vestu Pinyan's been out. Uh, Solly March is out. Hansi Fatty's out. Um, midfield is pretty much all out as well. Defence, uh, we've got Adam Webster out. We've got Igor out, potentially. Last-minute checks. We've got Athens to obviously play beforehand at the time of recording this. So we are we are as bare-bones as it gets. I think at Forest, we had Jack Hinslewood, who's our under eights graduate um playing at left back and he's a center mid um <laughs> so he's 18 um and then we've got yeah sort of no one up front as much as we did we've got Jao Pedro and um Mitoma's out as well shall I mention uh Jao Pedro's fit um Adingra's fit but yes that's about where it ends so we are we are as bare bones as it gets so I can actually thank you for knocking us out of that Carabao car <laughs> yeah I mean some of the names you mentioned there compared to like 
there was a lot of stuff made about like you know Newcastle's injury crisis but it was interesting when I actually looked at that Newcastle starting 11 still had some very very good players starting in that in that lineup and when you actually look at some of the players you've mentioned we're talking about you know especially Matoma Matoma not being there with Reese James suspended is is massive for, for Chelsea you know just my kind of and this is again Chelsea supporter type approach to this I would assume because of Chelsea's um terrible loss against Newcastle Brighton winning away at Nottingham Forest although as you said there there was pain that came after that game in terms of more players being out another suspension for a player actually there should be a lot of confidence for Brighton or is that kind of not the approach going to Stamford Bridge on Sunday from Brighton no, I think there's confidence. I think there always is, because I think the one thing about us is that we don't complain about it. Um, and that's probably why, as you say, Newcastle have made a bit of a meal. I think Jurgen Klopp's quite known for making a meal of it at Liverpool. We haven't really said anything. Tottenham said it quite a bit. I think that's probably, as, as you say, no one really knows because no one really says. Uh, we sort of just go around what we can. Um, and everyone said associates Brian's being a great side. Whereas and you, as, when you look at it, you know, there's there's one thing having injuries, but if it's all key players like Matoma, like Lewis Dunk, like Estupinian, like Igor even now for us, um, it's it's not good. Lamptey obviously out and right back, so it would have to be Joel Beltman in the hope that he doesn't get injured beforehand. We've got Athens to play, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I think the, the focus will be on Athens first. I know what Deserve is like. Um, he'll be solely thinking about tomorrow night and then he'll think about Chelsea um, with what we've got left from that. Because, you know, there might be a last minute check and Matoma might be fit because he was in light training last week. Um, but there's there's that doubt, isn't there? Um, and I think that overall, the majority of that side is is a doubt. Um, so you're probably going to see a few under 23s, um, potentially even a case for a couple of Mark Mahoney. Um, he's been very good for us in our under 23s. We've got It sounds crazy because half these players, no one's even going to know. You probably have to use Google when you look at our first 11 being announced. And um, I think that's the that's the crazy thing at the minute for us. Yeah, but then, I mean, when you've got some of your academy players coming through, I mean, it's quite clear that Brighton have one of the best academies. I mean, Chelsea yes. have an elite academy, but I think Brighton are right up there in terms of, you know, it sounds a little bit shallow, but will eventually make you a lot of money as they already have, you know. So I think, you know, something to to look at. And, and as well, with I think it's the same for a lot of clubs, but, you know, you're coming up to the most challenging and intense period of the year. And I think that probably the Zerbis may be looking at it and going, you know, do I really want to rush players back? Dilemma that every coach in this league has to has to face. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how that, with that, with that sort of um, adversity, how Brighton under Deserby sort of respond to that is going to be obviously something to see on Sunday. Um, thank you so much, Ryan, for joining me. And uh, just before we go, just a, a chance for you to, for you to shout out where people can find uh, your work, not only around Brighton, but I know in terms of more general football work you do too. Yeah, mate, um, for sure. I mean, probably Brighton stuff. I doubt there'll be many people translating over to half the stuff I'd shout out. But um, obviously, talk Seagull, Seagull Social, by all means, uh, if you if you are interested in any Brighton content. But TSR Football UK, as you can see by the light behind me uh, on Instagram, um, we've just won another award thanks to the FCA. So um, it's, been a, it's been a great couple of years doing all this. So very grateful. But yeah, go in there, go in there, support if you can. Thank you. All the links to Ryan's work will be in the description box below. Thank you so much for joining me, for watching, for listening. You can follow me across the socials at Son of Chelsea. And I'll see you again very soon. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.